Translation. This religious principle is based on sound tradition. Anyone who rejects it out of lust, enmity, fear or greed will certainly fail to achieve good fortune. Purport. If a person neglects his religious duties because of lust, envy, fear or greed, his life will never be brilliant or perfect. Nanda Maharaj is giving a stern warning to his young boy Krishna, teaching his son important principles of Vedic civilization. That the religious principles, they must be followed. Dharma, one should be ready to, one should live for dharma and one should be ready to die for dharma. One should never give up dharma. Exactly how to translate dharma into English is a difficult job. Prabhupada is translated differently in different places. Dharma means occupational duty. Dharma means mm, the inherent nature of any particular substance or person. Dharma is sometimes translated as morality or righteousness. Vedic civilization is based on dharma. It means duties that should be rules and regulations of life that should be followed as a duty for the sake of personal elevation and for the sake of uh, upholding society and helping society, the, the, the whole of society and all living beings, not only human beings, to advance on the path of spiritual progress. It's a very big subject. What is dharma? Exactly how to define it. But the point here Nanda Maharaj is making is that dharma should never be given up for, for any reason. Here he's given different reasons out of lust, personal desire, out of enmity, out of fear, out of greed. These are not reasons not to perform one's duty. That is the meaning of duty. Duty means something that should be performed even though we may not want to do so. It means duty that should be performed even if we perceive that it's against our personal self-interest. Just like the soldier's duty is to fight. It's not in his personal self-interest because he stands a good chance of dying or being crippled. But he, for a higher principle, he goes to fight. The principle of protecting his country. So in the same way, one should be prepared to die for the sake of dharma. This is possible when one has faith 
that this body is not all in all, when this body is finished, I am not finished. And just like Arjuna is a Kshatriya, Krishna told him that, that uh, what is that? Jitava bhokshase swargam, jitava bhokshase mahim. Krishna said that if you die, if you are defeated, then you all enjoy, you'll go to Swargaloka. And if you live, if you conquer over, then you'll rule over the earth. So either way, to fight, that was his duty. So from the materialistic point of view, Krishna was offering arguments at this point, on the, in, in terms of ordinary dharma. That to follow your religious principle as a kshatriya and fight will be materially beneficial for you, whether you live or whether you die. It's always auspicious. And the opposite is those who give up dharma, savayana noti shobhanam. They do not achieve auspiciousness. If those who follow the path of dharma, they achieve auspiciousness. And those who do not follow, they do not achieve auspiciousness. Now auspiciousness, that is understood in various ways according to one's level of realization. For a karmi, he considers auspiciousness to be that he will go to the heavenly planets. For a jnani or a yogi, they consider auspiciousness to be that they will become liberated. For a devotee, he understands that outside of Krishna consciousness, all the other so-called shobhanam, auspicious situations, it's all meaningless. The example of this Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is given. Wet stool and dry stool. That there is punya and pa. The Vedic literatures recommend that we follow the pious path, perform pious activities, and that is shobhanam, that will give us an auspicious result, such as going to the heavenly planets, being born in a good family, having enough money, and so on. And the opposite side of that is path, by which one suffers hellish punishments. But considering that even the heavenly planets are full of misery, it's apparent happiness, and it's not as severe, it's not as severe suffering as the hellish planets. But it's also suffering. So it's just like wet stool or dry stool. If there's wet stool, it's not very nice. It's very smelly and messy. So he may say, well, dry stool is better. It doesn't smell so bad. And if you happen to put your foot in it, then it doesn't stick to your foot like wet stool. So dry stool is better. But anyway, it's stool. It's not, by its very nature, it's not very nice. So in the same way, wet stool or dry stool, if one goes to the heavenly planets, that may be considered like dry stool. And if one goes to the hellish planets, that may be considered like wet stool. But it's all inherently not very nice. It's inauspicious. But we consider, um, foolish people consider, it is auspicious. We shall perform auspicious activities and we will go to the 
heavenly planets, considering that the dry stool situation of the heavenly planets is more auspicious than the wet stool situation of the hellish planets. But the real situation is to go back home, back to Godhead. But anyway, the heavenly planets can be considered better than the hellish planets in another way, in which, in, in as much as there's more opportunity to be in contact with Krishna, the demigods, at least as a sake of formality, worship Vishnu. Whereas in the hellish planets, there's not much chance to do anything. You're just suffering intensely. And activities for going to the heavenly planets or achieving a pious result, uh, they are they are auspicious and they may actually become auspicious. They, they are better than grossly sinful activities, especially in as much as if one is performing pious activities or sinful activities, either way they're performed within the material sphere of a sense gratification. But if one performs pious activities, then if he comes in contact with Vishnu or his devotees, that will give him a transcendental result. And if he performs impious activities, and he comes in contact with Vishnu or his devotees, that will give him a, that will be a severe offense which will block his spiritual advancement. For instance, if one is performing pious activities, of, there are various activities recommended, giving charity in Bra- to brahmanas, uh, <clears throat> then planting trees alongside the road to give shade in the hot sun of the summer, digging wells so that people may avail of water. These are all traditionally considered pious activities. So if one gives to brahmanas, if he gives to one who is actually a devotee, that will be his great benefit. If he plants shade trees along the road and a devotee who is going on pilgrimage passes along that road chanting the holy names, then He'll get the benefit of serving a devotee that will give him a transcendental Krishna conscious pious result. If he digs a well and even 200 years later, the person who dug the well means usually the people who dig well, when you say dig a well, usually means a rich man who engages someone else to dig it. But anyway, with his money and his endeavor, the well has been dug. So even 200 years later, that person is in the heavenly planets and a devotee comes and uses that water either for drinking or bathing or whatever. So he gets a transcendental pious result, even though he's not in the same body that dug the well. Similarly, if one performs sinful activities, he gets a sinful result. If he unnecessarily beats people, kills people, slanders people, so one has to go to hell for all this. But if he does this to a devotee, then he gets a very, very good result. So, even from the transcendental point of view, there may not be that much difference between dharma and adharma. That's why those who come to the platform of Krishna consciousness, they're not so much concerned with dharma or adharma on the material platform because they're engaged in the service of Krishna, which transcends dharma or adharma. But between the two, dharma is definitely recommended for it may be a very gradual process of elevation, but in the very in the very least, if one follows the principles of dharma, that 
helps to save him from falling down into hell and may help to elevate him also. Although there's no guarantee, the material world is so dangerous, even one may be very uh, scrupulously following the principles of dharma, but unless there's a touch of devotional service, then he's in a very dangerous position. Just like we see King Riga was a very pious king, but still he had to fall into a hellish position, just because that's the nature of the material world. You, can, you try and do everything very nicely, but the nature of this material world is that there's, there's a suffering built in. You can't avoid suffering. That is the very nature of this material world, and our plans don't always work. So King Riga was arranging for himself to go to the heavenly planets, but he fell down into hell. Of course, he was very fortunate to get the chance to be touched and saved by Krishna. So that means he also performed some agyata-sukriti, some pious activities in relationship to Krishna. No doubt some. The brahmanas, of course, who we're giving to among them, some of them may have been developed in hari-bhakti. So, by that opportunity, he got the chance to come in contact with Krishna. But uh, anyway, even though pious, impious, there's not that much difference from the transcendentalist point of view. Nevertheless, dharma is inherently part of Vedic culture. It's not part of Vedic culture. It is the whole culture is based on consideration of dharma. Those who are adharmic, they cannot understand this. They will criticize why they are worshipping idols, why waste your time chanting the name of God, you could be earning money, why do you worship Krishna? This is, he's simply uh, all these different gods they will criticize, they're all doing so many bad things. So they, those who are adharmic, they cannot understand the principles of dharma. Uh, we see in the, that's there in the modern age that even in India people don't understand the principles of dharma. Why not? The clue is given in this verse that dharma is received through parampara. There are two kinds of parampara. One is by, one is the shokra, that means family tradition. And another is shrota, by hearing. So everyone should, in Vedic tradition, well everyone is born, that you don't have to try to do. So everyone is born, but then one should also accept a guru. But the parents are also gurus, because they teach religious principles. It's not like in the modern age where people you see people come and join ISKCON and we have to teach them how to wash their backside after passing stool, don't put your hand in your mouth, don't give things or receive things with the left hand, bow down to superiors. The child goes to the guru call, he's already learned these things at home. His parents teach all these things. Just like here, you see Nanda Maharaj is teaching the principle to his son, Krishna that you have to follow. Even the... everyone may not know exact... there are so many 
rules and customs and usages in Vedic culture and not everyone knows the reason behind all of them but here Nanda Maharaj is giving the reason he's given various reasons why we should perform this yagya and now he says this is his very strong point that well even if you don't like all the different reasons I gave which he considers to be very sound reasons we have to follow this because this is our tradition we have to follow the traditions we may not exactly know the reason for everything just like why right hand or why left what's wrong with giving something with your left hand Shastra says that the right side is pure and the left side impure why should that be then if we research we'll find some story in the Puranas or whatever but whether we understand or not or whether we know the reason or not the fact that it is received in Vedic Parampara we accept it and we follow that that's why we see you see we have to offer arati with our right hand not with the left hand we have to chant with the bead bag in our right hand not in the left hand so when we're learning all these things we may not exactly know why but anyway we do it that is because that is received in parampara that is received in tradition and actually if we study we'll find there are very good reasons behind everything like I was saying the the irreligious principle the people who are against the sense of dharma they decry all these usages although they're very valuable they will say you see you know why the, you see in the Hindu home they're smearing cow dung what is this the, the dung of an animal is very bad but actually that is very pure and that is antiseptic if you study I don't know if in the Vedic literature it said that it's antiseptic simply it's stated this cow dung is very pure and people will by tradition the mothers will show their young daughters how to collect the cow dung mix it with water and smear it on the floor every morning before sunrise this should be done the whole house has to, has to be cleaned that is the tradition everything cleaned with cow dung so exactly why they may not know they'll say well it's very pure and actually makes a very pure atmosphere even mentally it helps to make a very pure atmosphere what to speak of being antiseptic but those who are against the sense of dharma they don't like this they won't follow this now that is the situation in the world today in India today where the Vedic culture has been handed down since time immemorial uh, but people are not following they don't know there are so many rules and usages but they're all being lost to western to the western way of life so many important rules beginning with rise early in the morning people don't like to do they like to rise late very sinful actually to rise late to rise after sunrise this is suitable only for rakshasas and demons 
they like instead of hearing about Krishna or stories from the Puranas which are uplifting they like to hear about other rakshasas and demons what is the news what some demon has done to another demon and they made they make news out of sports personalities and tv personalities and cinema what they are doing they don't like to hear what krishna is doing but they like to hear what these foolish people are doing so in the, because the parampara now they have they're making a new parampara actually not even parampara in modern culture simply they're always trying to find something new some new tv star some new sports star always they want something new 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 although it's just one tv star comes and then they get old another one comes and they get old another one comes but it's all chewing the truth it's just the same thing they're doing just trying to enjoy material life which is guaranteed failure from the beginning anyway but in vedic culture there's not much this idea new it's not very much wanted it's not liked even that we shall do something new because the tradition is there rather they respect the old tradition that the old tradition this is very good we don't want to change that why do you want to change previously in vedic culture that's why the british they had a they were trying to change the people's way of life but they had a hard time they were saying well why should you wear this dhoti you should wear pants and say no we don't want why this is an insult to our forefathers our forefathers have they've always worn dhoti this is prescribed in shastra that if you are to perform any auspicious any religious activity which is being performed all the t- all the time throughout the day people are performing religious activities they should wear dhoti with kach tree kach or panch kach that means the folds has to be folded and tucked in and traditionally actually women also they're supposed to wear a sari with kach just like the see the, the brahmacharis have the tucked at the back still in south india so in maharashtra also still the the old traditional people that is auspicious that is according to shastra so previously when they're trying to introduce all these things you say no we don't this is our tradition why should you follow that's an insult to our forefathers the british were trying to introduce tea people said, no we can't take this this is sinful this is not according to our tradition the they they would come with their new ideas of how to farm the land so you can get more crops and people would say they'd come and introduce and say this is very good new idea and they say why you have a better idea than our forefathers they have taught this in parampara why should we follow forget it go away but so the british were very intelligent because they understood that the whole culture is being maintained by the brahmins based on shastra so they thought everything begins parampara means that from childhood the parents teach and they inculcate in the children faith in shastra and in the traditional usages so they understood we have to begin with the education system and we have to train people according to our ideas
they understood the strength of Vedic culture lies in the Brahmins and in their teachings and in their adherence to the Vedas. So therefore, they deliberately and systematically they studied the Vedas for the sake of ridiculing. And then they brought up people within their own educational system. And then they ridiculed the Vedic, the Vedic culture in various ways and pointed out what they thought to be discrepancies. And then they made these people the top people in the government and gave them posts and positions. And in this way, they very intelligently undermined the whole culture. And it's been successful to the extent that nowadays Vedic culture is almost dead. Just like I was saying, wearing dhotis. People think, well, well what's the big thing, wearing dhoti? People are, what's the, we shall wear pants and shirts, and what's wrong with that? And rather they think it's wrong to wear a dhoti. They're afraid, people will laugh at me. I can't shave my head, people will laugh at me. Ah, oh. It's become the opposite, that previously one would be scorned but why you're wearing pants and shirt? Do you think you've, you've become a foreigner? Sahib? Lecher? You don't follow our culture? Now, if you wear a dhoti, oh, what is it? Something wrong with him. It's become the opposite. Now we have the parampara of demons. That's handed down that the, the father will tell, will dress his son and, you know, give them pants and shirt and and if they want to change into a dhoti, they'll say, Oh, you think you know better than me? You see, all the Western people, they're wearing pants and shirt. You think you're better than them? They're very advanced in culture. They think this is very advanced in culture. To wear pants and shirt and then wear the same pants every day until they're stinking. Because people are not performing religious activities. You, you see, you have to sit on the floor so this... Dhoti or sari, it's very practical. But when you're sitting on these stupid chairs, then then you're wearing pants, but if you can't sit on the floor comfortably with them. And then if you're going to perform religious activities, offering puja, then you're sitting and offering puja, sitting on kushasan, you're not going to sit on a chair and perform puja. But uh, people are not performing puja anymore, so they don't have any need for dhoti. They're sitting on chairs. So in this way, the whole, everything, it's all interlinked, the whole culture, that one has to wear dhoti, that's, then you can change that. Every time you bathe, actually, you're supposed to wash the dhoti, and then it's, you may only have one cloth. You wash, you put it in the river, and then you take bath, and then in the meantime, while you're taking bath, then the dhoti already dried. You put it on again, and you do your puja. Or you have two cloths, two dhotis, maximum. Always washing and changing, but these pants, then uh, you, they simply wear again and again and again. Two weeks, three weeks, one month. And what, what is the consciousness? This dharma, by following the principles of dharma, one's, it automatically helps to uplift the consciousness. But if we don't follow... And we think, well, it doesn't make any difference. I'll just wear some pants. Or... Anyway, what's the use of this shaved head and shika? We can have a nice hairstyle. But everything affects the consciousness. Therefore, the principles of dharma 
as given in Shastra, they minutely describe every aspect of life, everything a civilized person should do from the time of rising, including from the time he should rise. What is the time for sleeping? What is the time for waking? It's not that you just eat or sleep or at any time. But there are specific times for eating, sleeping, there are times for mating, even for defending. These are material activities. There are specific times. Don't fight at night and don't have sex in the day. There's activity, prescribed times for all this. And then what to do? There are certain activities which should be performed on different days, just like on Amavasya, on Purnima, certain favorable, certain things should be done, certain things should not be done. Even in this, Vastu Shastra describes how the house should be built, which room should be in each place, where the door should be, where where the kitchen should be, where in the kitchen the storage pot should be and the the fire should be, everything is minutely described. With an understanding of the subtle laws of the universe. It means to be in harmony with the subtle laws of the universe. So there are devatas and upadevatas who control or who are intimately linked with every facet of life. So dharma gives the rules of dharma, they help to elevate us and they help to uh, regulate our lives in such a way that we can gradually be elevated. So here, Nanda Maharaj is saying that one should never give up the principles of dharma for any reason. It is received in parampara, therefore we can trust it. So this is a fact, as I have explained up to this point in the lecture. Now, we're going to turn it all around and say that actually what Nanda Maharaj was saying, even though it's true, but in this case it didn't apply because he was quoting from under parampara, blind parampara, that the parampara, that should be followed, but if the philosophy on which it is based is incorrect, then generation after generation, everything is wrong. So philosophical understanding. That's why in Vedic culture, there all the general usages are more or less the same for everybody. Whether you're karmi, jnani, yogi, bhakta, whatever, you should rise early in the morning, take bath, perform puja, whatever it may be. Whether whether you're karmi, jnani, yogi, or bhakta, you should respect elders respect, worship the cows, go on pilgrimages, all these activities are common for everybody. But what is the actual purpose of it all? What is the meaning of dharma? In the Vedic culture, one is told to follow dharma. But then actually, actually, exactly what is dharma even great learned persons, they are bewildered as to what is the actual meaning of dharma, what is the intrinsic principle. That's why we see in the beginning of Bhagavatam, the sages at Naimisharanya, they were asking Sutta Goswami that what are actual religious principles to which 
Sutta Goswami described, what is the topmost religious principle? There are various dharmas to be followed, but there are various levels of dharma. Even we see within ordinary society, shudras, vaishyas, kshatriyas, brahmanas. So brahmanas, they follow more than shudras do, because they're on a higher level, supposed to be on a higher level. But what is the ultimate and intrinsic principle that was described by Sutta Swami, that Savai Pumsang Paro Dharmo Yato Bhaktirad Hokshaje, Ahaitukya Pratihataya Yatma Suprasiddhi, the topmost religious principle for all persons is that to worship Adhokshaja, the transcendent Lord, is not for men for any material purpose. And that should be unmotivated and uninterrupted and that will fully satisfy the self. So this is the topmost religious principle. And even though, actually what Nanda Maharaj is saying, it's not incorrect, it's correct. But when one comes to the topmost transcendental principle of serving Krishna, then what may have been correct at a lower stage becomes incorrect. It's true that one should worship the demigods. That's stated in Shastra. It's not untrue. One should worship them because they provide heat and light and rain and so many things. And those who don't, those who simply enjoy these things without offering them back to the demigods, he is he is simply considered a thief. He's enjoying without he's, he's enjoying without following the proper principle. So that is true. But it's not true in the ultimate sense, because in the ultimate there's further understanding that whatever the demigods give, that is actually that is given by Krishna. So, higher religious, when one comes to a higher platform of understanding, he worships Krishna directly and doesn't worship the different demigods. And is not required to worship the demigods. And actually, worshipping the demigods, you'll find in some places in Shastra, it's recommended worship the demigods. In other places, don't worship the demigods. So, worship the demigods, that's if one is on a preliminary stage, all right, that's good. That's better than not doing any worship. Worship the demigods. But when one comes to a higher platform of understanding, of understanding Krishna is the root of all the demigods, then when you understand that, then you understand that actually worshipping the demigods, it's not proper. You should worship Krishna. So worshipping the demigods is all right, but that's an interim stage. It's not the highest stage. And it's also full of fault. So what is true in one stage may not be true in another stage. And what may seem to be self-evident and uh, unchallengeable in one stage, when one's vision broadens, when his knowledge broadens, then he understands that the lowest principles are superseded by the higher principle, just like in in mathematics, we are taught that there is no square root of a negative integer. And it makes sense. 
If you multiply a negative, a minus number, by itself, or by any other minus number, then you get a positive integer. So how can there be a square root of uh, a minus integer, negative integer? But then in higher mathematics, the square roots of negative integers are dealt with. It's apparently contradictory. But in, in, in a broader level of understanding, when one's understanding broadens, when the understanding, the broader understanding is based on a lower understanding. And at a certain level, we're only taught at that level. And that appears to us to be all in all. But then when we come to a higher level, there's more. Classical physics, we study classical physics and everything makes sense. But then when you go further and further into studying and you find there are some things we can't explain, then we have to bring in relativity theory, quantum mechanics, which, in which the, the laws of classical physics, they don't, then they're broken. But they're, to explain certain phenomena that are observed in the universe, then the quantum physics have to be adopted. So on a higher level, the, that which is taught at the lower level is superseded. So similarly, in the lower level of following Vedic culture, one may be taught to worship the demigod. And that's, for materialistic people, that's better than simply exploiting the facilities of the earth. One should worship the demigods in, out of thankfulness. But then when one comes to a higher platform and he understands that actually the demigods are very much inferior to Krishna and subservient to him and they're not separate gods and one should actually worship Krishna. And if one worships Krishna then they're worshipping the demigods that's all included automatically. So one shouldn't worship the demigods. Or one may do, as not as a major principle, but one may worship the demigods as a sub-principle of his worship of Krishna. In other words, he worships the demigods as part and parcel of Krishna and asking them for benedictions to help us to become advanced in Krishna consciousness. But not that one is a demigod worshipper, but he may do so as a as a subsidiary principle of his worship of Krishna. And he may not do also. It's also not required. It's not necessary. One doesn't worship demigods. So here, what Nanda Maharaj said was true, but it was true only within a certain sphere of understanding. Krishna wanted to bring the Vrajvasis to a higher platform of understanding, and therefore, even though Nanda Maharaj had offered this powerful argument that we have to follow the parampara for the sake of auspiciousness, Krishna superseded that by offering different arguments. So we find that within the Vedic culture, that following dharma, that is a general principle, but philosophical understanding, that is... That is the basis 
and there are various philosophies taught within the Vedic culture and one is supposed to perform activities in knowledge one gets a different result from performing in knowledge or performing not in knowledge so one is supposed that's what I'm saying there's Shoka Parampara and Shoka Parampara. So in the family one may learn different traditions and he may learn some philosophy also, but then one goes to the guru and is taught the philosophy of life, whether one goes to a karmi guru or jnani guru or whatever. But one has to under, one has to get some philosophical and not some but a very deep and comprehensive philosophical understanding. The karmis, jnanis, Yogis as well as bhaktas offer a comprehensive understanding of the universe. In other words, everything is explained within the different systems. The only problem with other systems than bhakti is that they, even though they comprehensively explain the universe and why we're living and acting within it, they miss the whole point, which is that we're supposed to serve Krishna. So within the Vedic culture, an important point of Vedic culture is philosophical understanding and philosophical discussion and different <laughs> propounders of different philosophies will discuss with others and if someone is defeated by another then he should become his disciple and if someone is a guru he has many disciples but he's defeated by others then with all his disciples he should also become a disciple because one is supposed to be acting for elevation and if one's, philosophy, if one's philosophical understanding is incomplete, then he has to adopt a more complete understanding. So, not that, not that the basic principles of one's living will change. He may just, if one is a karmi and he becomes a bhakta by, by philosophical advancement, or, then uh, it's not that he's consciousness. So, here, Nanda Maharaj is giving a very powerful argument. Uh, we often hear this also, that when we're preaching Krishna consciousness, people say, no, no, I'm already a follower of another group. We already have our guru. But, actually, in, in one sense, that's good. One should, if he has his guru, he should follow that. But then one should get the right guru. If you get the wrong guru, then you're finished. That's the difficulty. The people are getting the wrong gurus. So therefore, even they're following the Vedic culture to some extent or another. But uh, because they have the wrong philosophical understanding, it doesn't bring them to, this, to the right goal. The, the karmis, they may be doing the same things as the devotees, more or less, like I'm saying, rising early, performing puja, all these different things. But because they're not doing it in Krishna consciousness, they don't get the same result. They get a different result. So the Krishna conscious movement, it's meant for giving the proper philosophy, and also because nowadays the Sat parampara, the proper paramparas of even of Vedic culture and Vedic behavior are lost. That also has to be re-established, even within our movement. The ordinary Vedic practices, 
People don't know. Just like I'm always telling, don't put your hand in your mouth or on your mouth. Let's sit in there with It means contaminated. And then they'll touch the Srimad Bhagavatam. Or they're scratching their feet. And then touching the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is an offense. They don't know. No one ever trained. They're picking up the dirty plate and then t- touching everything, pushing the door open, so many things. And then everything becomes contaminated. And how can you worship Krishna? That's why tr- Brahmins, they were meant for deity worship. They are meant for deity worship. Because Brahmin is supposed to be very clean, punctilious. They know all these rules. They follow all these rules. Otherwise, how can you... Just like in the Malecha home, when the door is there and they just push open the door, they, they pick up the contaminated plate which they've been eating from and then with the same hand they open the door. And then someone else comes and touches the door. They also become contaminated. These are subtle laws of contamination. So in Brahmin homes they don't do these things. It's one of the reasons they're worshipping, they're allowed to worship the deity because they keep very pure. But in the modern age we see even Brahmin initiated devotees, 20 years initiated is scratching their feet and then touching the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because the parampara is not there. Of course, Prabhupada taught these things, but somehow in our great wisdom, we think, oh, this is not very important. We're chanting Hare Krishna, so it doesn't matter. Everything's okay if you chant Hare Krishna. You can put your foot dust on the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's okay. No, that is an offense. You should know all these rules. So it's also this parampara has to be established of ordinary human life. Nowadays we see in our movement people are talking a lot about gopis and radha, lila and all these things and they're scratching their foot and putting on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So talking about the gopis is very nice, we should do. But before we come to the highest platform of spiritual elevation, first we should learn to live as ordinary human beings. Ordinary things. How to live. Before we become Mahabhagavat Paramahamsas, first we have to become human beings. That is required. Human being doesn't simply mean two hands and two legs. But it means that one should know the principles of religion and follow them. So please try to understand. I know you don't like it when I tell you ten times a day, don't put your hand in your mouth. But anyway, I'll go on telling you and maybe sometime you can learn. Please don't put your hand in your mouth and thus contaminate. I saw Prabhupada personally, I told this many times, one little baby was, had his finger in his mouth in Krishna Balaram temple in the courtyard. A big yagya was going on. At the back, one baby had his finger in his mouth. Prabhupada's leaned into the microphone and said, stop! All the yagya was going on, Prabhupada said, stop! Pointed at the back. Mataji with her little baby. That your child has got his hand in his mouth, take him out, wash his hand, and teach him not to put his hand in his mouth. Continue, Prabhupada said. These things are important. At least Prabhupada considered them important. His servants, he would tell them all the time, Hari Shoy Prabhu was explained. He picked up Prabhupada's plate that Prabhupada had been eating from 
And then he picked up a jug of water and probably immediately said, what are you doing? The plate is contaminated and you're picking up the jug which is uncontaminated water. Or he brought the... Another time he was bringing the water for Prabhupada and he was carrying like this so his finger went inside with the nail. The nail is contaminated. So Prabhupada immediately saw that and thought, why am I contaminating the water? As soon as the nail touches the water, it becomes contaminated. You shouldn't drink, you shouldn't use for puja and anything. So all these things we should know. Follow all these things and make a parampara of human beings. It's easier to be a devotee of Krishna as a human being. Animals can also become Krishna conscious, but generally it's meant for human beings. So human being means, as I was saying, not just two hands and two legs, but he should know the principles of Vedic life and follow them. He should follow the principles of dharma. And then human life begins. Hare Krishna. Any question about this? Suppose there is a leftist, left-handed person. A left-handed person should be taught to write with their right hand, eat with their right hand, etc. That's considered, that's inauspicious to be left-handed. Should be trained out of it. When you're doing book distribution, sometimes you give books to people who are smoking. At least in India, I tell people, put that cigarette down, throw it out, if you're going to see this book. But in the West, if you're going to distribute books, people have no such idea. So we give, even sometimes they're holding a chicken bone in their hand <laughs> because they have this other uncivilized... Apart from being uncivilized by eating chickens, they also walk around eating. In Gujarat people do that too, they stand around, stand up eating, which is also uncivilized. So they'll be walking in the airport, chewing a chicken bone, chewing on a chicken bone, and you give them the book. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's special mercy. But then, when they take interest in Krishna consciousness, without, without preaching, um, uh, without going among such people, there's no chance for their elevation. And you can't immediately introduce all these rules. So somehow, somehow or other, we have to bring people to Krishna consciousness. And then afterwards, the rules and regulations should be introduced. Not that, well, I'm very interested in Krishna consciousness. Okay, well, um, in between chewing chickens, chan hai krishna, no, we say, chan hai krishna and don't eat chicken. And don't walk around eating. That will come later. But these things should be introduced. Even from the beginning. It's easier if you introduce at the beginning. Someone says, what's that, I saw someone was uh, going on the altar with a shirt on in one Iskon temple. Radha Krishna deities. I said, what's this? Why is he going on with a shirt? He said, oh, he's just new. And you, you train him. You show him what's the right thing. Otherwise, how is he going to learn? Two words, Naveen and Praveen. Naveen means new and Praveen means older, or it literally means experienced. So if you don't train, then how are they going to learn? And someone's new, therefore they break all the rules. No, you teach them. So you teach children, you teach new devotees all, the, all these things. And it's troublesome. 
To have to tell someone ten times a day, don't put your hand in the mouth. Prabhupada is one story of one of Prabhupada's young woman disciples was always touching things with her feet. Prabhupada was saying, don't touch, don't put your foot on it. The foot should only be on the floor, nothing else. So again and again, it was telling, don't put your foot there, don't, don't move things with your foot. So she said, oh, I might as well cut my feet off, she said to Prabhupada. She became frustrated. Prabhupada again and again was telling, Prabhupada said, yes. She was thinking, oh, why is, why is my guru harassing me, telling me all these things? No, you should tell. So from the beginning you should teach all these things. Otherwise, it's troublesome to again and again say, but if you don't, then the, then you're dependent who you're supposed, either parents are supposed to teach children, gurus are supposed to teach disciples, and it's troublesome, but if you don't teach them, they grow up as non-human beings. Just like we see in the modern age, right? the, the parents, they are a Sanskrita kriyahina, they themselves were not trained, and therefore they don't know what are proper activities. And uh, they don't train their children, and they're, then they're, oh, my child is a drug addict, and my child is, a, he's threatening me and beating me up. I don't think this happened much in India yet. It's coming, don't worry. Everything in Western civilization is coming. So, you may be lamenting that your children don't obey you, but in the next generation, the children will be beating their parents up, telling them, that is coming. It's all, all the wonders of Western life are coming. So, they're lamenting, but then, you, why didn't you train them? You're supposed to train them. You know, all the details of cultured life. And they'll appreciate, later they'll appreciate that. If you don't teach, then they'll grow up as animals. So, it's easier. Just like if you don't clean your room, it's easier. And you don't have to bother. There's, there's two centimeters of dust everywhere. You don't bother. It's all right. Why should we bother cleaning it? It's easy. But then you don't go back to God if you live in dirt, because that's the quality of a demon. A short What is that? Praviting chan, evriting chan, janana vidura saraha. What's the next line? Nasatyam? Nasotram. Hmm? Nasotram, yeah. Nasotram, na nasatyam teshu vidyate. Those are demons they don't know what is to be done and what is not to be done. And the first thing Krishna says, uh, among the things that they don't know, is that they don't keep clean. And then that, they don't know what is proper behavior. So the proper behavior begins with cleanliness. But we think, oh, never mind, just throw, throw the garbage, just throw it here and there. Don't bother washing our clothes are dirty. And never mind. Janet, everything's okay. But then, how can you be a devotee? You're not clean. Actually, when this points are pointed out to some other person, they say, why do you have to think of yourself? You think of your own things. Why do you point to me? Yeah, well, one who doesn't like to take this teaching, then they shouldn't become a disciple. Disciple means they should follow what is being taught. And don't be, if you think, I like, I'll only follow what I like the Guru tells me, whatever he tells me. And if I don't like them, you know, the Guru can go to hell, I'm not interested. Then don't be a disciple, don't be a, don't be a fast. <laughs>